I am super excited to get this show out to you because it is, I think, a banger. And this is one that you're going to want to get your pen and paper, get your notes app on iPhone ready, because I know most of y'all are listening on Apple, and really dive in because whether you are starting your pizzeria, looking to sustain or scale, Al the Pizza Buddha has experience with all of that. And we're just going to start off in the conversation because the first however many minutes we were recording were just fluff. We were talking about his most recent trip to Bali and how he met Connor, the owner over there who hired him on. But I didn't think a lot of that stuff was going to be beneficial to you. And so I decided let's just cut it and get straight to the chase. If you like all the pleasantries, you know, the how are you doing, what's new, yada, 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 let me know. But for me personally, whenever I listen to a podcast, I'm in it for the education, the hard-hitting stuff. And if you're like me, then let's just get into the conversation, am I right? We start the conversation off giving a hypothetical if Connor, his client from Bali, tells Al, Am I ready to scale? What will Al say? And so we'll get to that. But first, a word from our sponsors. Before we continue on with the episode, I want to give a special shout out to Cordo Olive Oil. Truly, 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 the difference between commodity olive oil and quality olive oil is night and day. And that's why the best pizza makers like John Arena, Chris Secker, and Laura Meyer use Cordo Olive Oil at their restaurant. DM me at what's good dough or email me idrif at what's good dough.com and I will set you up with a free tasting if you are an operator. And I'm talking about brick and mortar, caterer, pop up, anything like that. I'll connect you and get you a free tasting. Thank you for supporting my show sponsors. If Connor were to tell you, give me your honest truth, am I ready to take this store from one to five or six locations? What are you looking for to give him the green light? or give him the red light. It's really what what he's looking for, right? Because as a true business owner, if he's looking to scale, you've got to have financials down so tight. And when I say financials, it's not recipe, it's not, you know, this or that. And you, what how much you do in sales, it's what's your food costs? What's your yield loss? What's your vendor relationships? How are you sourcing product? Do you have good deals? Are you just buying retail? Are you still running to restaurant deep? As a consultant, I still run into so many people who are, I see it so many times. They've got PFG in the back door. They've got a local distributor who they're buying Caputo from. Then they're buying, you know, San Marzano, um, Stanislaw from PFG. They've got their custom boxes with another company and they're not maximizing their vendor relationship. How do you optimize your vendor relationship? Like, let's say you come to me and I'm operating a pizzeria and it's like, holy shit, I'm working with four different people. Plus I'm doing the restaurant depot runs. Listen, and unless you're a pizzeria that's got five to six locations and you're doing some serious buying and where I say serious buying, you're going through pallets of products, pallets. I mean, you're someone like Tony Gimignani in San Francisco where you know, you're that that busy to where you can deal with a big vendor, which Tony actually now he's scaling up has, you know, a big vendor who he's dealing with now and scaling up his whole business. But he loves Byron because they're a local company. You couldn't scale with them. Even when I was a joyride, that was the big issue. 
they moved to PFG because they wanted to scale up and be an international brand later on, which by doing that, you're going to sacrifice some of the good stuff that you get with your smaller vendors. And when I say how to maximize your relationship, stay away from the big corporate brands like PFG, Cisco's, if you're using those, though you're not going to get the best pricing really per se or the best treatment because you're that small one shop operator. Where you're going to get the best relationship is working with a broadliner who's a local distributor or a family-owned distributor who may have the whole family of pizza ingredients. And especially here in California and on the East Coast, you have them too, which they're not your huge international chains that you see at Expo with all this, you know, staff all suited up like they just came off the private jet and you're just like oh my god i'm the little guy running a little pizza shop dude look at these guys i buy like and when you talk to them at expo i experienced this like over the years of owning my own shop i'd go to expo meet these guys they got all the cool shit and then you say hey i'd like to buy that and they're like well how much do you go through well i only use like one tub of ricotta they want you to buy a whole case and you know when you work with the smaller broadliner this recent client that I just did, work with, you know, your local distributor, your vendor, Pontrelli Foods. It's family owned, 100 year business, third generation. The guy literally showed up at the pizza shop and hand brought us yeast because I just flew in. He drove two hours up just to meet me. And he's the kind of guy who's going to be there and take care of him. And where you're going to maximize that, they're going to hook you up down the line. They're more likely to give you the better deal on the cheese when you eventually start doing a little more volume. Maybe you get a rebate from Hormel. That's where you're going to maximize that. And even it comes to like those cool things that are out there. When you see us doing these farm tours and all this, the vendor stuff, that stuff, you're, they're, the Stanley Slaw probably reach out to them and they, they'd recommend you, hey, we got you know, Rose City Pizza here, he's he's going through a lot of a lot of product, you know, we should invite him up to the farm tour to really show him how. Because at the end of the day, they're not doing that for money. It's about education. And I love doing it because I learned so much more. You're educating yourself of what you're putting on your pizza. This is your most recent client? Yeah. And he was, he was challenged. Brian was doing a lot of shit and his menu was fucking huge. I was like, oh my God, you've got so many. He's got four different size crusts, five different custom pizza boxes. And they're wondering why, why aren't we making money? And I'm like, well, I see it all going to PFG and that's who's making money. And the reason why you're, you're not putting any money in the bank because your plating guides say sprinkle a little bit or it says eyeball, which in plating guides or in restaurant kitchens or if you don't have plating guides and you don't have recipes posted on your wall with photo descriptions of what is what. I mean, this is like the freest Pizza Buddha consulting tip to spare me the time of me while I'm on site to have to run to Kinko's and do the laminating thing. I always post it every time I go, all right, here we go. Every time I go on a trip, it's two major things I got to find when I'm at, at a console. Where's the restaurant supply place and where's Kinko's? Cause I'm going to have to do plating guides and I guarantee you there's something I'm going to have to replace that you were using that was broken or damaged, or you're going to need something to fix your operation. Why is that so important? I mean, is it, does it add up that much, like a little bit of slippage on the food, a little bit of like... Oh, man, I can't tell you. Show I me the big picture, because I'm not really seeing it. Cheese. Uh, 
cheese alone and you go to Pizza Expo and you do those seminars and they talk about food costs, just one ounce of cheese, multiply that up by how many pizzas you make a week, multiply that by a month, multiply that by a year. There's your trip to Cancun. If you're using proteins and you're hand portioning those on there and you're not using portion bags and you're not weighing things out to the gram, especially your high dollar items. You know, some guys out there are using raw sausage that they're sourcing from a local like Acre here uses Sonoma County Meat Company, local butcher. The guy who owns it literally came from the helm of El Bui, the most famous restaurant in the game. He's doing killer product, but it's, it's super expensive. Their portioning has got to be critical to be able to use such an expensive product like that. So if you aren't scaling, you know, accurately, especially on your high dollar items, I'm not saying like, okay, let's get it to the gram on like green peppers. Fuck. I mean, we'll be here all day, dude. Don't do that. And I even tell clients, I'm like, okay, I, I do it when I address it with them. I go, these are guides, but you know, let's really hyper focus on the proteins and the cheese. And when I meet with the staff, I explain it. I literally will show them an invoice. I go, you guys need to understand what this stuff costs. I mean, and I explain to them what they're using. I go, the owner spends a lot of money on this product. And it's kind of my organic way to approach the team and gain their trust of how I'm there to really help their business, right? I'm not there to stroke my ego or tell them how to run their pizzeria or, hey, let me give you my fucking recipe so you can make this because I I, I won that, this at Expo. This is a world champion. I don't give a shit about that. I care about the bottom line. I care about what's good for the business, right? So when it comes down to working and mentoring them, you got to explain, hey, this is expensive stuff. Let's focus on leaning up the proteins. And I see it all the time. And Brian actually had a little bit of pushback and we kind of dialed it in into a sweet spot. And he's like, hey, I don't know if customers are going to be, they're going to be tripping out about how much that that is on there. And I go, okay, hold up. Let's just increase it by percentage. Let's not double it. Let's not just say, hey, hey, put more anchovies on that pizza because the customers are complaining. Don't run your line like that. Look at your recipe card. Okay, now let's increase it by 25%. Like I use this little system of how to scale up your multiple topping pizzas. So I'll take a 10-inch pizza and I'll say, okay, for a 16-inch, we're going to take 10 divided by 16, get that percentage difference, and let's use that, add that in percentage to that next topping. And then from there, let's use that as a point. Okay, and then let's top some pizzas. Let's roll that guide out into the line. Are you getting pushback from from customers? Are you getting complaints? Are the staff complaining it's too little cheese, too little olives, which happened in L.A.? Brian texted me the day after I left. Hey, you know, they're, they're complaining the 16 inch is not enough. Okay, hold on. Don't panic. Now that we have all our guides online, here's where I really kick into action as a consultant because it's not about when I'm there on site. It's about when I leave because when I leave, the follow through after I leave is how's everything going? Literally the morning I was at the airport, I'm texting Brian. How's the dough today? Send me photos of the dough. How did service go last night? Send me photos of the pizza. How did the staff feel with the plating guides? How's the scale going? Good, good, good. The pizzas are looking good. He's got tight Detroits. But yeah, some of the 16 inches were a little bit skimpy. Okay, I'm going to roll out a change to the guide, increase it from 75 to 85% on the 16 inch. I sent you the new weights. Oh, can you round them up too? Because there were some on there. Okay, yeah, no problem. 
Let's round them up. But we're still, the point is, is we're maintaining a recipe, right? We're maintaining a portion. We're not just free topping, especially if you're a busy pizzeria. Most operators, busy operators, no longer are running the pizza line, standing there at the thing like, okay, let us let me watch you put the pepperoni on the pizza. When we launch and get busy, yes, you're open, but the real management is how are you managing food costs? How are you managing your operations? Are you addressing your systems? Are you looking at your process, right? And the challenge recently here on this trip at Acre is they're scaling fast. And I brought it up to the owner. I was like, hey, let's not forget about how we started. Like, remember when I was here and we were making pizza this old school way on the thing? What happened to that? Like, let's look at that now that we're, we're open. Let's address the process. Let's roll out a new recipe. Let's work with, they're working with some different ingredients they got pawned off on now. Okay, how can I work with that and tune up your process, right? They went from High Mountain to Tony G flour from Central Milling. There's a difference in recipe in that. Those are two totally different flours, but two major differences in cost, and they wanted to achieve a similar result. So they wanted to stick with Central Milling. So how do I work with that for them and give them a recipe that's going to work with their production staff? work all the way at the end in front of the pizza masters in three locations it's winter right now so how do i develop the recipe for the summer how am i gonna uh, arm steve while i'm here on site how are we gonna look at the next six months of the business right that's that's important it's not about what's the problem now okay let's look at the business operations as a whole right now how are we doing what's going on what are you lacking i really want to do slices i really want to do sandwiches okay let's look at that let me develop a production for it you know we we made some focaccia today let's see what that big bread looks like he's kind of like back and forward on it what's going to work for what you have right now let's slow down a bit because i think we jumped around from brian to steve and i think what I would love to see in the next 30 minutes is we really give some of the high level stuff about starting a pizzeria, which was the example from Indonesia, maintaining a pizzeria, which is Brian or sort of reviving right. and then scaling with Steve. Like this is the perfect like trifecta here of where, you know, operators need help. We're going to get into that and so much more. But first, a word from our sponsors. This podcast is brought to you by Uni Pizza Ovens. Uni is the number one pizza oven in the world and is my favorite pizza oven. They've totally revolutionized the game by giving the opportunity for home pizza makers and business owners to make great pizza anywhere. Their portable ovens can get up to 950 degrees and can make virtually any style of pizza. Check out the link in the show notes to learn more about Uni and thank you for supporting my show sponsors. What I would love to see in the next 30 minutes is we really give some of the high level stuff about Starting a pizzeria, which was the example from Indonesia, maintaining a pizzeria, which is Brian or sort of reviving and then scaling with Steve. Like this is the perfect like trifecta here of where, you know, operators need help. And so maybe, you know, we, we go back to Bali real quick. Biggest aha moment for Connor as he's starting up this new concept. How little he could have to produce a lot. And he had built the place and just didn't have things in the right place and was concerned about space and where are we going to put things. The second day I was there, I basically had two truckloads of stuff we pulled out of the restaurant. Really? And just, 
there's too much stuff in here. We can't operate. Like what? I mean, down to little, he had the wrong size containers for things. So we weren't centralizing our vegetable prep. They were literally prepping all of their veggies in round circle container Tupperwares. But does a restaurant want to hear that all the shit that they just bought is going to be? No, because it was, I ended up actually using those round containers as his dough bins. He had metal dough tins. You can see it in the videos from Bali. I have these plastic Tupperwares, which I got the idea from home bakers and seeing all the stuff online, they're all using Tupperwares, which is what we use to compete at Expo. And I'm like, why not just use that for dough instead of metal tins? They all dent anyway. But what did you do with the other truckloads of stuff? So most of it was he was doing slices on display in a glass case, which in Indonesia is super hot and humid and slices on display kind of detract a better sale. And where I mean that, I even did it at Rose City. Um, I pulled slices out of the case in, in the entire menu and we're not doing slices anymore until he gets busier for lunch. There's no reason. And when you're busy at dinner, you don't want to be selling slices. You want to be selling whole pies. And so doing less with doing more with less, how does that help an operator who's already bought the shit? It streams lines you know, the concept and it kind of relieves the overwhelming part for the staff. They're able to work better in a space that's cleaner and they feel more proud to produce the product when everything is organized. It's they a better flow. find it. It's a good flow. They see a recipe book. They can see everything lined up properly. You know, they see the instructions. They feel empowered. They're like, they're like, wow, okay, I feel like I can breathe in here. This makes sense. Okay, this is great. And that's normally where I get these aha moments when, and that's where it really took off in Bali is when I did that and they saw it clean up and they saw that they can produce the dough consistently. They can put it in these Tupperwares and they have a small Tupperware and a large Tupperware. Okay, guys, that's your small and your large. And one section is the small, one section is the large. You start from the left, you, you end from the right. Okay, and then these fridges, we're gonna get square Cambros. So we put square containers in square refrigerators so it fits better, not round containers in square. That's a no, that's like a crazy workflow I see. And I'm like, it's, I'm, I'm OCD and a lot of clients know, know me for it. I'm like, they're like, whoa, you're fucking crazy, dude. You come in like hot. And everybody out there who like has worked with me knows like, they're like, holy shit, he's fucking nuts. And it is because I'm OCD about getting it clean, getting it tight, getting it right so we can be productive immediately. And, and the staff are excited when they see an, an organized space because you like want to, when you come home to a clean house, you feel fucking great. 100%. I feel like I can actually get shit done and I'm, I don't have this clutter on the desk, which is also cluttering my mind. And I think one of the things that I've gathered from talking to you outside of this podcast and in this podcast is you really like to simplify the process, make that shit super clear for everyone so that like, like you said, people can grow. Mm -hmm. Because if there's too many things that you're juggling, if people don't feel empowered or it doesn't feel right people just aren't satisfied look and that's the big thing like is if 
if you can do it, great, right? Me and you, we make pizza, we love it. And most owners out there love pizza. They've all been to Expo, but guess what? Has your dishwasher been to Expo? Maybe your five best employees you took to Expo, you came back two of them quick because they got a trip out of Vegas. I've fucking heard that story a million times. Yeah. I hear it. And they're like, oh, yeah, I brought my staff to Vegas. Yeah, but then two of them quit. I go, ooh, because it happened to me when I own my place. So, And I think one of the craziest things that I heard recently, I believe it was when I was in Florida doing the, the, the school, is that like you can complicate the process but at the end of the day, your employees will find ways to simplify it. Oh, 100%. And, and it, that sometimes means that they're going to cheat what you what systems you put at hand. And it's just like, it's going to either mess up the quality, it's going to waste your money, whatever the case may be. So you might as well simplify it from the get. Well, it's normally what I end up disclosing to a client who has an existing restaurant. And when I go in and because they've been off hands, I end up going, look, you've overcomplicated this process here. It's where the staff can't execute. And now you're pulling your hair out going, why isn't my pizza coming out right? Look, you can't do a pre-ferment in your place because you can't manage that right. You don't have the environment right. You're not set up for that. You don't have a high-speed mixer. So why are you trying to mix a high-hydration dough you know, let's come to a middle ground, right? Let's, these guys I see out there are trying to make the like next best Instagram dough and they're messing with like 85% hydration dough and they're trying to make pre-ferments and huge trash cans. I'm like, what the fuck are we doing in here? And I just see wasted product. And where I see it wasted is I taste the pizza and I'm like, whoa, this is, we're really far from where we need to be right now. Let's tone it back. Let's jump to the maintain because it sounds like, you're talking about maybe what Brian was doing and trying to make a beautifully Instagram pizza. Talk to me about some of the, talk to me more about the challenges of that. And I think you're sort of leaning onto the fact that like you should work with what you've got and the constraints that are placed around your spot. And then talk to me about sort of just giving him the chance to revive his shop or maintain it. Right. I, I think like on the maintain side is like change. If you're maintaining and you're rolling out change, that's like where I see the biggest confusion to existing restaurants and what I saw with when I was recently in LA at Brian's. He got Instagram famous off a of pizza and his Elote and Birria pizza. And it was TikTok, you know, it got him a huge followership and they got huge traction, but then it died and nobody's coming in. So he's like now struggling, trying to create other pizzas that are gonna hit like Instagram and I basically did a reality check and I was like look is TikTok your customer and I'm like look at your surroundings dude I don't see all of the customers coming in here don't look like they're on TikTok all day this is like I feel like I'm in the Midwest like this is like your hometown like vibes here and to be fair, he's in the L.A. County area, but he's not in the city. Not in the city. He's in a beautiful spot in the city. And I said, your concept needs to come back to where you are. And that's what I provided him and his mom. And, and that was the biggest takeaway from that meeting. And, and it got emotional. It was really emotional. And I, I felt like I did a good part because his father passed and his father left him this pizzeria that he's now operating that's failing. They built it out. They bought the land. The other location they were originally at, they got a bad lease. The landlord's going to double the rent, and they got to move out. So that's a lost cause. Yeah, get out. You're not, the sales aren't there. 
So I said, let's focus on the location that you guys own because just in land, and this location is iconic. It's overlooking, it's at, in Covina. You can look down the street on a clear day and from the pizza make station, you can see the skyline of LA. Sick location, they're building a skate park. Literally while I was there, there's a skate park under construction. I go, oh my God, there's a skate park right here. He's like, oh, yeah, they're going to build that. I go, dude, this is going to be a sick location in a bit. They're, maybe they have like a skate park contest here and you get viral that way again. And that's more organic, right? It's not, you're not trying to get some followers or like, what the fuck? That's not, that's not, a, that's not how you operate your business. So you convinced them to just focus on the locals. Let's focus on the locals. Let's focus on simplifying what you're doing. You got too many things going on here. So I convinced him. He was like, well, wait, you want to take some things off the menu? And I was like, yeah. And I go, your menu's got like 35 pizzas on it. I think it was crazy number. It was huge. How many did you drop it down to? I think we'd taken out like I think 25% of the menu went away immediately. He had like 10 sandwiches. We went down to three and we transitioned, you know, to streamlining the pizza line so he can have less prep. He was like, God, I'm prepping like crazy. I go, dude, you're prepping tomatoes two different ways. For one pizza, you're doing a sliced tomato. Then five other pizzas, you're doing a diced tomato. Just do a diced tomato for all your pizzas. And how did you determine which pizzas or what 25% of the menu to so cut. So this all happened in discovery before I showed up on site. So when I consult with a client before I do an onsite, I do a lot of remote consulting with them. So they're weekly meetings where we meet for one hour and we basically go into the gastronomy of their pizzeria, right? So I'm looking at your, I'm asking access to your reports. I want to look at your last, you know, six month sales report. I want to see your P-mix. I could care less about the money. What's a P-mix? So your product mix. So on your toast report, and that's a, you know, a lot of people get these toast things and these reports are so, so crazy important to watch that daily and what is selling. So I looked at his report and all of, you know, lo and behold, those pizzas that he's like struggling to prep for are the least selling pizzas. And where he's pissed off is because he's having to throw away product. So I showed it to him and he's like, hey, we're not selling these. You know, you see on your P-Mix, everything here in the hundreds, that's what we need to keep. Everything that you see there that you see 10, uh, that's got to go. So that means you sold 10 of those last month. Is it possible that an item just isn't popular, but it still uses up the same ingredients that are popular? So it's right. just... So it, let's not post it on the menu. Let's be more creative with our marketing. Let's create a farmer special. Let's use Instagram that way. Those pizzas, don't post 30 pizzas on your menu. Now have, create a back template of like, do the photo work of a pre-cook and a post-cook, figure out the food cost on it, write a recipe card for that pizza, then create this like back catalog and you can create a 12-month special of pizzas you're gonna launch for that month. Bring in a small amount of those ingredients for the month, Call it an LTO, limited time offering. Put a good price on it. Promote it on Instagram. Do a buy one, get one if you if it doesn't do well. And that gives you the ability to try out new pizzas or styles. My buddy Eric Bauer owns a pizza place in San Diego called Best of One Pizza. He's doing that exact thing. And it's the way you keep your menu small, executable, 
You're able to manage the inventory because you're not having to count 100 items when you do inventory. That's another thing in inventory management and locations. Are you guys doing inventory? Uh, last month. Uh, what do you mean last month? I just check everything every time I need to do an order. So you guys aren't counting every single thing on the shelf to sheet and, you know, auditing your inventory. No. So you don't know if staff are walking out the back door with the grande. How often, how often should pizzerias be doing that? At least weekly, if not every twice a week, if you could do it every day, if you got an, an audit every day and you're operating that tight, you know, you should be able to look at all your product and record what, and there are tools out there digitally that help us do these, these days. I think where some of the problem is, is like, that takes time and labor and all of that. Look, it's, it's time and labor, but it's money. That's your bottom line. Yeah, it's time and labor. If, if time and labor, if you don't got time and labor to allocate to inventory management and food costs, you're in the wrong business. Because if you're not managing inventory and labor and you don't have time allocated on your schedule to have managers involved with that or you have a proper team meeting with your staff and address food costs, waste, spoilage, what's going on with distribution, how are we getting things to stores, you're not going to last. The foundation's cracked. The foundation's cracked and where it is, it's where it's cracked is the bank account. And that's where I get the call, the 911. Like, I normally don't get those calls. And those are the ones where maybe that would be a no. It's like, hey, man, you might not last. It might be too late here. I don't, I don't know. You know, they normally don't have the money to pay the consulting. So why hire me? It's guys that want help, who are doing well, who realize they got a problem, who call me. They get that aha moment. Like, you know what? I've hit a roadblock. Brian was the same way. He hit a roadblock and was like, you know what? I'm going to reach out to this guy. His mom actually saw me in Indonesia and was like, holy shit. If this guy, she didn't say holy shit, but she was like, she was like, Brian, if this guy can teach people how to make pizza in Indonesia and work with Indonesian flour and that pizza looks like that, you got to hire this guy. This guy needs to come here. And it was because I'm not working. And that was Brian's big testimonial. He's like, look, I don't want to, I don't have money to buy pizza master, which nobody does. Even when you're building a location, that's the number one. When I deal with a full build out there, like, oh my God, when can I wait to pay fucking 40 grand for the pizza master? Because I still got to pay 80 K for the plumbing 50 for the electrical. Cause the electrical to plug in a pizza masters 10 grand you know, it's it's where when people ask me what's a build out cost for a new location, I go be ready for half a mil. You know, if you want to build a, a, the dream, what I call the Instagram pizza shop right now is the the, the pairing of the pizza master, a, a high speed spiral mixer and all that dough equipment you see online. Even with that dough equipment, we're up in the mills already. Once you get all that infrastructure in there, the plumbing, the electrical, just the electrical for the pizza master is big dollar permitting. Oh, my God. Let's talk about scale then, because some people, they may be operating a few locations. I know Steve over here has three and he's thinking about more. Right. Is he, are you helping him sort of do new build outs or is he taking over existing spaces? Yeah, I'm, I'm steering the company where I play this, this roles here with Steve is he's a scaled scaling business. And this and is Steve with Acre Pizza. Steve with Acre Pizza and amazing guy. Um, uh, an absolute restaurant legend. We've hung out with him. I mean, he's got so much insight into the 
restaurant world, but just business and life, you could just learn so much. But where he is now is he's at three locations. They're starting to, some things are falling off the tracks. And in this recent trip, just in the first night of the tour, okay, something's up with the dough. We got to, okay, the pizzas, I made a pizza. I was like, whoa, that was a rubber band. I was like, there's something up with the dough. So I come and and check it out and we're still dumping ice in the mixer. It's freaking winter time right now. And I look at them, I'm like, guys, all the yeast is dead. We're shocking, we're shocking the dough. So met with them and now he's in the phase of, I think where Steve stands in scale up is if he can get the operations dialed down to where he sees true consistent quality in sales across slices, takeout and good volume, yeah, let's build number four, right? Let's, and then where I come into play is, okay, Al, I need your help in the layout for number four. And where I work with him on that is, okay, what do we want to do in number four? Or what do you want to do across all four, right? And eventually integrate into, you know, where we grew now. Okay, we're going to centralize dough and deliver dough to three locations. So we had to figure out a new way. We were doing dough on sheet pans and bagging the dough. The dough changes when you put it in totes. When you're in plastic dough trays, it's a different deal going on in there. The trays, you know, are hotter or stay too cold in some places. So where I've been and I travel around and some of these pizzerias are way too cold inside to even get the dough to temperature. So then guess what? You're using ice cold dough going into your 600 degree pizza master. And where I run into consults a lot with guys with pizza masters, Hey, are you guys baking the pizzas on screens? Why are you baking them on screens? Uh, the pizzas are burning underneath, so we put them on a screen to finish. Dude, if you're not baking your pizza on the deck the whole time in your pizza master, there's something wrong with your dough. There's something wrong with the way you're handling your dough. There's something hand- wrong with how you're proofing your dough. In Denver, where I'm consulting a full build-out right now, this is a, from zero to hero from plumbing to everything from helping with permitting, sourcing, what kind of concept are we going to create? Concept client even flew out to Kauai, made pizza with me for three days, never made pizza in his life, like in a commercial setting. So I was like, whoa, you just bought like a a $10,000 mixer. You've never seen one. He's like, no. I go, well, it might be a good idea for you to maybe just book a $400 trip to come out to Kauai. I mean, he wasn't too hard to convince him. He was like, yeah, fuck, I'll leave Denver to go to Kauai to come. So I was able to convince the owner of Wiki Pizza to get, get him to come in, got him to see the mixer. He's like, holy shit, that thing's big. And I was like, yeah, dude, this is a serious piece of equipment. And the whole purpose of the trip was to explain like, Here's what you're about to get in bed with right now. Like there's a three deck pizza master. You see how big those decks are? Now look at how big those wires going into the wall are. That's about two grand per plug to put one of those in there. So, and you got to make sure you get this through permitting and it passes. So all of those things I laid out to him before he committed. I'm like, okay, you ready to go? Yeah, I'm still ready to go. This is going to do well. So, uh, you know, where it is now in Acre and working with Steve and the whole point getting around to that is managing the scale out and being prepared for scale. I think it's kind of two ways, right? Acre Pizza was organically started from one location. Steve saw an opportunity, built number two. He's like, wow, it's doing well. Let's do number three. There's that organic growth. Then there's the client that's 
going, coming into it, going, okay, I want to build this concept, but I want five locations to eventually come out of it. And that's a client that I look at that's a scale-up client. They're the one that's coming into this with an end goal not to create their, you know, pizza shoals, one shop, you know, pizza shop, and they're just creating tits pizza all the time. They want to create, you know, your Papa Murphy's or your Joyride Pizza type thing. How do we create a simple concept that's a low build out that we can build multiple locations? So in Denver was like, okay, let's build location number one, but have the infrastructure to make all the dough here and you can build five locations in Denver. It's going to be a big investment in the beginning. It's going to be about, you know, close to 600, 700K. I'm willing to take the risk. You know, he's in a franchise right now that he's just pouring money into. So this is like his final gamble. We're going to take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsors, but stay tuned because we're going to unravel something amazing, a huge insight with Steve from Acre Pizza. Sit tight. This podcast is brought to you by my favorite pizza cheese for Detroit-style pizza. And I'm talking about Baccio cheese. It's perfect for that aesthetically pleasing high crown Frico edge. Brett of Izzy's Pizza Bus is also a Baccio user. He says he loves it for its quality, price, and the fact that they have a rewards program. Gold Club Rewards members can receive cash back for every pound of cheese purchased. Get that cheese, pizza pal. Learn more at BaccioCheese.com. One of the things that I really appreciated hearing and what you said uh, when you were talking to Steve in the meeting was like, hey, we're growing right now, but we're forgetting why we were able to grow yeah, to begin 100%. with. When I got here at Acre, you know, I had to kind of bring Steve and his team back to reality. We just had a meeting earlier and we met and we're like, hey, guys, let's not forget about how we started. And Acre Pizza was literally in the Barlow, small shop. We got popular because we were doing small scale and we were focused on creating amazing dough and making the perfect cooked pizza. And I remember back in the day, we used to throw four or five pizzas out a night, you know, because they were ah, too much color, too burnt. And I watched them on their line. Hey, that looked a little bit too dark. Ah, it's okay. I don't want to make another one or, you know, shit like that. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Why are we forgetting about why, why are we not creating perfect pizza anymore? Why are you just settling for dough when it looks like that? Why are you guys now over inventorying everything to where now at the end I see quality suffering? The par bakes are too dry or, oh, we've left them out. Well, that's a serious deal. Um, oh, the dough's looking like that because we had to make an emergency dough. So we made a straight dough. Well, why'd you make 500 of them? And now you're sitting on it. So you mean the last four days, this is the quality pizza that's been going out of the shops. That's three locations. That's a big deal. So guys, let's go back to where we were. Let's look at the technique, the process, Let's address the recipe now. If it's not working in production, let's address who's taking the counts. Why is the girl who's making the dough so disconnected from where the inventory in the store is? Let's get her more involved in understanding where inventory is ending up. What are the stores using to give her a better idea of what to produce and when to produce it? So 
meet with their managers. Let's get a production. So I'll sit them down. Let's talk about how we can manage this out, give out ideas, and let their management team kind of decipher how they're going to deploy that out on scale. Okay, so are we going to make a checklist now for her on what wholesale items that they're buying from the commissary, not buying or getting from their commissary location that we're shipping out to the stores? So we're not shipping out product that's six days old because we overprepped it and we're just, you know, using this place like an Amazon pick and pull center and just pulling like it's Costco. Well, guys, did you forget that was made last week? Now it's sitting in the store for another five days. The quality's not the same. This is where we've steered away from what we do here at Acre Pizza. That's important when you scale. When you scale, you can't lose focus of why you got popular, right? Why did the town think your pizza was amazing? Because they thought our dough was really crispy, but now it's not that crispy anymore. And yes, I got this one pizza maker. He's, oh, if you got that one pizza maker, we either need to figure out how to get that guy on a better job to where he's not making the pizza or look at how the pizza is being made, right? What is the quality of the dough that those guys are using? Don't get pissed because he got a bad Yelp review because the pizza was burnt. Well, it's not that guy's fault. Maybe their dough recipe's off now because it's winter time and they're dumping ice in the dough, which is what I found out here at Acre Pizza. So I was like, oh, guys, why are we doing technique that we're doing in the summer? You know, we shocked and killed all the yeast. So the dough is literally gray. So let's now work on getting us back on track. You know, and that was where, you know, the owners inspired Steve's now. Okay, he sprung into action. Let's now fix the light bulbs in the pizza master. How come we're not cleaning the glass on the oven? Because that was the whole theater of Acre Pizza. We wanted the shop to look like those were espresso machines. Like you walked into a coffee shop because Steve was the coffee guy. He had this whole design element that I love because coffee shops are very minimalist. That's like my side hobby is coffee shops, obviously, because I'm up at four o'clock in the morning. And the only thing I really get to enjoy is my morning coffee when I'm traveling so much. So I seek out coffee shops and I love the way they're designed. Right. They're very minimalist. They've got that Euro deco. They're very clean line and they work well for a pizzeria. So when he designs his shops, He's really meticulous on how he does things on the design. So we wanted to maintain that look. So guys, how come, oh, I clean the pizza master once a week. Well, we need to have the pizza makers be doing that in the morning. Let's do a training program on how to clean the pizza master and have a guide that they have on the side of the oven that they're referencing and the store managers need to be checking that. So... You know, that's that's kind of like Steve Steele. There's like this quote that I'm looking up right now, but like if you are just slightly off on a boat or like a plane, one degree off, right? You end up going one degree off course. If you go 60 miles, one degree with one degree error, it will result in straying off course by one mile. I, it's funny you say that and you bring up traveling and as you're telling me that, I'm literally thinking about like, Oh my God, how many times have I stared at that little tiny airplane on the screen to see how, when I'm going to arrive at the location where I'm flying right now? Yeah. 
And the amount of times I've done that little replay and watched the little degrees and how much, you know, speed and longitude, latitude where we're standing and you go, wow, just one degree off and we're in Japan. <laughs> and it's like, it's that same thing. And when you tell me that, and it's, it's the same thing when it comes to the dough and the process and the pizzeria and operations, yeah. right? Just even if you're cutting something different or you're making something different, it's a whole chain of events that come into play. I think that is one of the biggest realizations that I've had hanging out with you is this exact metaphor is like two degree error will place you 28 miles off of where you're originally to land. And I think what I'm noticing is that one small thing, you let it go. Well, shit, it may not look like the restaurant's going to go tumbling down, but one little error like that has compounding effects. It's the better example is today I'm meeting with Steve and his, his team and their lead production uh, team member Lupe says to Steve, she literally calls out the owner in the meeting and is like, well, but you come through and say, ah, that's okay. And I literally look at the owner and I'm like, dude, busted. Like you've been roasted, like you're victim. Like, because you're busy and overwhelmed running your three locations and you're fixing broken light bulbs and you're, you're dealing with all the operational things you got a day to day, insurance, bills, you just brush that off. And staff translate that from an owner as like, okay, he means the word. And I've heard it when I've gone into consults from staff. Oh, but uh, Steve said to do it that way. I'm like, oh, shit. Well, we need to get Steve in here and address this now and find out what is the legit word. And what is he also saying yes to other things that like are messing up the process? Oh, my God. It's like, okay. Let's get the pizza out in the box because the customer's pissed off at me already. And then guess what? She's already pissed off. She gets it. The pizza's burnt. Boom. She's never coming back. You got a bad review. She's, she's going to tell five of her friends. It's a catastrophic cascade of events that happen from a poor quality pizza. Yeah. And I don't want to scare people here because it could be catastrophic. It could be not. But like if you're in that position of scale, one small move at store three will be a huge move at store 10. Kind of like what you were talking about earlier, that one ounce of boccio cheese, whatever you're using, yeah. that could cost you hundreds at store three, but maybe thousands at store uh, four, but maybe hundreds of thousands at store 20. Right. hundred percent. And that's where the guys at the bottom line, even if it comes and that's where it's important. These, these cheeses you're using, if it's grande, baccio, which are both amazing cheeses, if you use both of them, or I see guys use one brand and then the other. If you're using baccio cheese, which is also an expensive cheese, you got to make sure you're portioning it. If you're steering off track by one, you know, ounce or gram, that's going to multiply. It's just like your reference of the degree. We're just going to continue letting one more ounce, then two ounces going to get over top. Then three. before we know it, we're putting double the amount of cheese on the pizza and we're painting a picture just because we don't want to see red which is wearing pizza topping and goes all wrong from there. You do not want to be delusional about your business. No, it's it's like I use this when I was with Brian at Rose City Pizza. I, I was meeting with him and his mom at a dinner and using some, you know, relations on how bad it was that they were just allowing staff to sprinkle toppings on a pizza. I'd said, mom, you are literally giving the employees the American Express gold card with their name on it and no limit and allowing them to spend. 
and they were just like, what? And I'm like, you, you got to put a scale in and you got to have them, you know, accountable. Yeah. You're not going to sit there like a general and be like, Hey, you're not topping. That was two grams off. It's to keep them in check. Right. And I even told Brian, I was like, Hey, put a camera here. So you got cameras all over the place. So they're used to them. Put one on your pizza line so you can watch the time studies, all of those rings and all of that are recording time lapse. So you can go back and watch where your business is lacking in production. And even if you can't do that, what you were saying earlier about just looking at your reports, those numbers won't lie. They're not going to lie. You're wondering why, hey, why is PFG or, or buy right or my food bill, you know, so much higher than last month, but I don't have the sales to match it. Well, guess what? They're overtopping the pizzas. I come into them and I go, hey, are we portioning on the pizza line? No. Okay, I see a giant, it's the classic, you see the giant tub of cheese on the side on the pizza line and they just go in there double hand and fist and just go on the pizzas. Unless you're a guy in New York City who's topping two, 3,000 pizzas a night, you're pretty close on your topping or your Anthony Mangieri back there just, you know, the one pizza i know every single one me or you making pizza okay that's my money so i'm yeah yeah dude i'm pretty good with my portion but those guys you know your staff you got to remember they're not owners they're not invested in the business like you so at the end of the day they're there for a paycheck but how do we keep them motivated to not look at it like that right it's not about a paycheck it's about creating quality pizza and when Brian was pushing back a little bit about the portioning and the guides, and even the mom was like, hey, is that going to really work? Are they going to follow? I go, it's not about them following. It's about them having something posted that they can reference. So now you can go out as a business owner and do your food costing properly, take those recipes, understand what those items cost, and then you're able to do simple food cost right there off your menu items. Like, what's the deal? What's the problem with that? That's your money. That's managing your business. Right. Beautiful. As we sort of wrap things up here, I have three questions for you. What has been your biggest realization consulting uh, since the last time we talked on the podcast? Biggest aha moment for you? These, whatever these operators are experiencing, what you're seeing, what is it? You know, the biggest aha was recently when I was in Bali and it hit me to where and just kind of working with Steve at Acre and just the whole realization of consulting. I was working full time for a restaurant group and I've been managing for the past years and pizza consulting was really my hobby and it wasn't really like something I did. I'd get calls and I just love pizza and helping people out. So I was like, hey, if I can make some money on the side, I'll do it. I'm now shifted to just focusing on consulting and just doing this full time. So now I'm just got open schedule. I'm booking clients by quarter, either weekly, Zoom, um, getting more engaged with checking in on my recent clients that I've worked with. How do I get out there more and really like focusing on helping operators and that's my focus because I, I had an aha moment when I was in Bali I was like man I really helped this guy out and he really I see the the return for their staff that was like so humbling I was like man I could do this I feel like this is the way to go my girl really pushed me she's like dude you're wasting time like yeah managing restaurants I'm not your day-to-day -day manager right I'm, I'm more of your builder I'm more of your maintainer 
I'm more of your solutions driven type Buddha, right? I'm your like pizza Buddha that comes in that just like sprinkles like fairy spirits on the dough balls and then they're magically coming out nice and the dough guys are like, wow, that's amazing. That looks great. Yeah, that's what your dough used to look like. You guys have forgot because of the last two years you've been doing it this way and you think that's right. So doing that was the big aha moment. So full-time consulting, doing, you know, either hourly consulting, whether it's Zoom, meeting with clients, talking hourly, weekly about their current challenges. Tell me what type of equipment to buy. Hey, I'm thinking about buying a dough divider. Okay, let's talk about it. You can buy one secondhand. Um, down to clients like Brian, who are existing pizzerias. I don't want to buy a pizza master. I got a conveyor of them, but I want to make more Instagrammable pizza or it looks good. I see what he wants and I, I delivered and he wanted to see nice, beautiful blistering coming out of his conveyor oven and even market square pie guys reached out. He's like, dude, us edge eyes got to stay together. And edge conveyor ovens are like beasts of conveyor ovens. They go. And I love that when Mark reached out and was like, dude, the pizza looks great. And he's like, did you cook that on a Lloyd disc? And I was like, no, man, that was just like your cheapy Winco screen. And we didn't season it or anything. And it's just having good dough recipe pulled him away from putting bad. He was literally, his problem was, is he was using pre-ferment that was completely under-fermented and he's putting in under-fermented dough into his recipe and he wasn't getting any color or spring. It was just dense, dead dough. It wouldn't cook in his oven, lightened it up, got him the right yeast percentage, put him back on understanding, hey, you have a walk-in, you have room for cold fermentation, Using a pre-ferment is only designed for people with storage constraints or trying to use that product up, you know, 24, 48 hours. You know, really, Brian over at Pizza Shoals is like, dude, uh, he hit me when we were chatting on the phone. I was like, dude, you're fucking right, dude. Why are you using so much pre-ferment if you're going to cold ferment? And he, I'm like, dude, this fucking guy's a baker. He knows. That's where he hit it off. I was like, this guy's fucking rad, dude. This is the way to do it. I love the mission that you're on. I'm glad that you burned the ships and went all in. And from the sound of it, it's like you're helping a bunch of people. And so congrats to you on making that realization and and just doing it, man. I, I've seen you do your work. I see the passion that you put into it. I see the drive, the fucking hard conversations that you do and 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 you're doing a great job. Thanks, man. Thanks, buddy. On that note, my second question for you is along the lines of the fact that you don't know it all, you're not perfect. No. What is the biggest mistake you've made as a consultant? You know, I think there could be taking on too much. I would say maybe not doing it sooner. <laughs> I should have started consulting way sooner and going full bore, you know? And it's just like one of those things. It's like, I kind of, you got to kind of go carve the way. And it's one of those things where I came to this realization is just, I've gained so much experience. And in the, from working in fully automated robotic systems at Zoom Pizza down to owning my own pizzeria to, you know, my biggest mistake in my life was, you know, marrying the wrong woman and then having her be my business partner and filing bankruptcy on my own pizzeria that I'd put my heart and soul into. You know, that was probably, you know, a hard part of my life that I had to overcome. But understanding that has given me the, I guess, skin to, you know, endure these tough decisions, these tough conversations, 
understanding a, a different operator, someone who's got a family, someone who's maybe got partners. And I've I've had the wrong decisions. I've had I've had bad things come out of consults. You know, I've had clients hire me on for a year and just spit me out the back end, promising me like, hey. We're going to scale you up and, you know, you're going to make your own cookbook and all this bullshit. And then, you know, the next year, hey, you're done. So that's probably the worst like deal is going all in too hard and not understanding there's smaller operators out there that can really benefit from a lower cost consult, right? Because you were there, you've been there. I've been there and I, I can see it's, I know what it's like. And that's where me and Brian really resonated. When Brian called me, Brian actually had been to my pizzeria that I owned in Hawaii. And when he called me, I felt like that was me calling someone else, another consultant. And that's when it like touched me. I was like, holy shit. I'm on the other side of the fence now. I'm that guy who's reaching, that's being reached out to for how to do that dough that I'd looked up to my mentor, Tony, and, you know, really learned about this pizza game from, but took all the baking knowledge applied, systems, operations, my knowledge in business. Let's look at financials, systems, down to bouncing ideas, which is, you know, one of the biggest things. And like, I try to do these little testimonials with my client now and just to really like get some raw understanding of how it went. And their biggest feedback, even when we're together, is like, dude, it's just awesome to bounce ideas from you. And it's like how to put something in a different area, where to put the pizza boxes in my shop, how to screw the, how do you attach that shelf to the wall better? Um, you know, how do you do the dough without using dough trays? Okay, let's work with what you got. Let's keep it cheap. You're, you're, we got to make money here. So awesome. That just makes me want to second what I said earlier. Like, I really think you're good at what you do. You Thanks, bring in this like track record. I think you neglected to mention that you're, you know, you're also like a baker. You took the central milling classes, you invest in your own education. And so like you bring just a wide array of experience, which I think people should feel comfortable with when they're making their decision on hiring you as a consultant or just seeking out help. Right. It's not about like, it's not about winning world champions or titles or, or award winning this or award winning that. And, you know, I've had clients reach out, oh, how come you're not a world pizza chain? I go, look, if I spent my days running around competing, making pizza, I'd be out of business because <laughs> that's an expensive lifestyle to live. And it's not, okay, you win, but that's not the customer. I'm, my mission is to help pizzerias, right? I'm there to help the business owner that's not following world pizza champions or who doesn't go to Expo. There's not a lot of operators out there. There's a lot more pizzerias out there than guys you see running around Expo that just went once and they're like, okay, I saw Cisco, Byright, you know, all the other brands and I'm not doing that anymore. That was expensive. I hate Vegas. <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, it's like, I can't go there. My wife won't let me go there anymore. I spent like 10 grand. I can't go there anymore. We went to Spearmint Rhino. Oh, fuck it. We got out of control. We've all had the Vegas story. So it's like, <laughs> if, you, if we've been going to Expo long enough, we've all had that Expo moment i remember competing one year i brought two buddies out there they went out to the strip club that night and my one buddy was supposed to meet me to see me compete 
and literally security's running to me at the convention center as I was about to make my wood fire pizza going, hey, we got two guys up front. One of them's got like blood on his white shirt. They literally pulled in a, uh, what's that movie? Old school or a hangover hangover. I was like, dude, this is like the movie right now. What did you guys do last night? So it's like, it's it's the whole vibe, and I'm excited to go to Expo this year. Um, I'm competing this year, so are all of our other pizza friends out there. And that's just like that's just like our nerd pizza meetup, right? It's the pizza summit of all the nerds in this business. We're all purists. We all support each other, right? On Instagram, I said to you last night, I was like, that's what I love about this. Like me and you took a photo, and Jimmy's messaging like, oh, he's loving it. I'm like, that's the reach in this game, right? We all got respect for each other. We're all there to push each other up, right? And that's like, what 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 is that mission to, uh, on Instagram? But what is it really internally? And you got to see it hanging out. Like I get to the level of understanding these people are family. My clients are, and I've said it to clients before. We'll end up being in touch for a long, long time. And because I'm here to support the business, right? I'm here to help you through those tough times. What happens? What happens when the lead cook quits? Right? What am I gonna do? Those are where I provide a lot of support. And that's what, you know, is really the mission. I love it. And you're right. Vegas isn't, a, isn't for everyone. No, 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 no. <laughs> Final question for you. There's no right or wrong answer. What's good dough? What's good dough? What's the next pizza? What's the next hot pizza trend? That's what I'm dying to know, right? What's Detroit went hard. Detroit's been, it's still hot. It's still hot. But what is that next style that they're literally going to build a revolution behind? That's kind of been when I wake up or you ask me this morning, they're like, you're like, dude, do you sleep? And I was like, no, because Instagram's 24 hours. And it's like, what do you mean? And I'm like, in my mind, I'm like, wait, he probably is tripping out why I'm up all late because, well, I've got international clients. So Bali's up at like, and they're posting, I'm getting tagged at like two o'clock in the morning when they're going at six o'clock at night. So I'm seeing what are those trends. And I'm wondering, what is that next style? What is that next hot style? Is it cracker? Is it going to be tavern? Is it, you know, Lloyd put everything around Detroit pizza now. It's like the pans have created a revolution. It's like, Instagram, Gazi, Uni, everyone wants to make the Frico. You got Jimmy the Frico King. You got Apollinas. You got Eddie's Killer Pizzas. Like, he pumps out some crazy styles. I think if you want to shout out to Eddie, like, of knowing how to make technical styles, I would reach out. When somebody calls me up and says, hey, I want to do a consult on Cast Iron, I'm going to hit up Eddie and be like, yo, you got to do a cool consult with me and show him how to do that Frico like you do on those pans. I'll handle the dough. I'll handle the production. I'll meet with the team, but I need you. You're the master at that. And that's like the respect to that cat. He can pump out some beautiful looking pizzas. But that's where I want to pump the brakes. It's beautiful, but don't get influenced like Brian did to where he like wants to create that, that's not gonna work at his clientele because it looks good on Instagram. And you gotta make sure your style works for your place. That's like important, you know? Maybe Roman pizza isn't gonna work in Central Valley. That's not gonna sell there because prosciutto and arugula and burrata, they're gonna look at you like you're fucking crazy charging them $10 for a slice. So what's the next style?
That's what's good, Dale. <laughs> Thanks for being on, Al. I appreciate right. you, man. Yeah, man. Well, there you have it. My conversation with Al the Pizza Buddha. Dang it, yo. This is one of those episodes, am I right? Back-to-back listens, I'm betting. So many golden nuggets with Al, and rightly so. Dude has so much experience. And so, Al, I want to thank you so, so much for being on and blessing me and the listeners with your time. Truly appreciate it. And to you, the listener, make sure you let Al know what's good, though. Also, as someone who's just going full-time in on their business, we appreciate that here on What's Good Dough, and so I really want Al to succeed. And so if you know somebody who needs some consulting, one-on-one, in-person, online, yo, let him know about Al. I'm going to leave his Instagram in the show notes, DM him, and let him know what's good dough, and let others know what's good dough. I appreciate you for listening. I love you. Till next time. Peace.